Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of the Gary Hour. I am your host, Gary Levitt. This week, I talk to Matt Nagan, who is an odd combination of stand-up comedian, poet, and actor. It's not often you see a stand-up comedian that also writes poetry, but Matt's got a couple books published out there. So we talk about creativity in many different forms and how it is a form of therapy. This episode is brought to you by Future Moments, makers of mobile apps for content creation. If you're a musician, a podcaster, a voiceover artist, if you just make videos on your phone that you want to sound better, check out Audio Fix for Videos. Check out Future Moments on the App Store because they have an app that makes your life easier. Check out the show notes in the podcast app for links and more information and uh, where you can easily leave a review for this podcast. But most of all, I just hope you enjoy. I like the setup you got here. Thank you. Yeah, we're going through a couple of compressors and all this, all fancy stuff. Nice. So, Matt Nagan, you walked in and you said, do you ever feel like the universe has locked you out? And I said, ooh, I don't want to get into that till we turn on the mic. So uh, what do you mean? The universe has locked you out. I got the wrong keys. Uh, <laughs> I now just yeah, sometimes you have a bad day and it's sort of a, a fulcrum of, of strange events that, that drive you a little up the wall. And uh, so that that was all. But, like but everything's working against you. Well, in, in a literal sense, I was locked out of my apartment, in addition to other things that went on last night <laughs> at 2 o'clock, and this guy's trying to rip me off uh-huh. by, uh, you know, and my phone was dying, and it goes on and on, but you, you know how one thing can lead to another and, and yeah. take you down that sort of rabbit hole of, uh, of negativity, and where you're talking to yourself, and like, I want to die. But uh, <laughs> Wait, someone tried to rob you at 2 in the morning? No one tried to rob me. The key in my cylinder broke, uh, and the cylinder, a piece of it, fell into the door. And at which point, I could not, I could not even shimmy it with a credit card. And I've also had left things on in my apartment when I stepped outside, so I had to get back in. Oh no! And um, but that, that, that was so I was actually locked out literally. But then I, I, I was also feeling a, 
in a more eternal sense, sorry, <laughs> that God is sort of not on my side, you know. But but that that's just feeling bad for myself and uh-huh. Jewish self hate and all that. And I'll, I'll I'll deal with it with my therapist. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's right. I, I'm happy to be your therapist for this podcast. <laughs> You're saving me 150 dollars. Oh no, uh, I'll I'm gonna invoice you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Don't you worry. <laughs> Maybe I, I get tips too, so you know. All right. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> oh, flow. Uh, I feel like that was from the progressive. So, did you ever get back into your apartment? Uh, I did, and now I think I'm locked out again. But uh, where are your keys? I have my key. It's yeah. the cylinder that is broken. The guy only got me into the apartment. I thought I had I had taped it up, and I thought it was locked out. It was the bottom lock. There's a bottom lock and a top top lock. Uh huh. So I thought I could get into the top lock, but the bottom lock has um, a prong where basically uh, somehow it locked again. I don't know. <laughs> I can't even understand it. It's, it's, that's what I mean. Oh, it's but, a self-locking lock that always self-locks, even if you leave it unlocked. <laughs> uh, you, in theory, when I first tried it, yeah. you, you hit the top lock, you leave the bottom lock open, you press this two-button panel prods inside the door uh, and the bo- the top lock will still open the door even though the bottom lock is broken that's the theory but for some reason it switched and the dot the bottom lock is now stuck the now, top lock won't work anything now i know what you mean it's not your lock it's the universe that's <laughs> locking you out <laughs> it's it seems to be sometimes it's it, it, it's the equivalent of you, you know in stand-up you want to make a tape yeah Okay. And I every can, time you go to make a tape. There's something that goes wrong. I did my friend's show, mm-hmm. and I had almost like the perfect set. This is an example. And this many things happen like this, but yeah, it was as good of a set as you could, as for me at least, as I could have. All the laughs were in the right place. Right. And the crowd was great, and the lighting. And there was two people recording it. One person, for some reason, it didn't come out. And my friend had the tape. He watched it. He said it was a perfect tape. And he deleted it on his camera. But this... And, you know, uh, there's so many things like that that seem to... Yes. Sometimes you're in a, a, a rut where I could go on and on. But many things... It's almost like a, it might be some bad karma that I've stored up. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So you're, you're a Hindu Jew. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I have to start praying to Lord Vishnu. <laughs> Give me a little of the good mojo. Clear my karma. <laughs> clear me. Clear my aura. Yeah. Retrieve my soul because my soul was a junkie. And, um, <laughs> and a thief in a past life. A thief. My, my soul was was one of those people that the me too people would come out after you know so <laughs> I th- maybe my soul w- went into harvey weinstein and then it came back or something and now look look at what look what's happening so it's all it's all coming back at see you. that am i the first person on your podcast mm-hmm. that made any association with themselves and harvey weinstein yes actually you might be <laughs> and uh electively too <laughs> electively that that is I, that is sick okay um I want to ask you. So you you do stand up. You do acting. You have yes. a bunch of you have your resume is long. You have a mm-hmm. lot of acting roles, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, education, but I've never met a stand up that also has books of poetry. Mm-hmm. You know, stand up is it could be kind of a macho art form, and poetry is probably the least macho art form. So it, it begs the question. Do stand-ups regularly beat you up? <laughs> uh, I thought I, I thought you were going to say it begs the question: Are you gay? I don't know why that was coming up, but but that's it. Just you had such a straight face. But yes, I 
I think it's just ignored because people don't know how to handle that. You're, you're right. That's a good observation uh -huh. that they're, they're so antithetical to each other in a certain sense because the person who's doing poetry and the person... I've been to poetry and comedy open mics and you'll never see two groups hate each other. I mean, it's almost like the KKK <laughs> and Black Lives Matter. You know, they're very antithetical and they're coming from it. But... I think that actually there's a lot of overlap and cross-fertilization between the two. You think there's a similarity? 100%. There's, well, how would you describe that? Um, well, a lot of it is writing, right? With, with stand-up, you got to write out a joke. Mm -hmm. It's timing. It's what to leave out. It, it's kind of orchestration. Of it, it, There's so many things that are... I guess, yeah, real estate of the word is a similarity. Exactly, exactly. This, it's the same thing when you want to have an economy of description or something. Mm -hmm. um, but like... Presentation. So it, it, and, and you could cover similar topics. It's just from a different angle, yeah. I think. Well, poetry is supposed to make you feel, and comedy is supposed to make you laugh. <laughs> Either way, you're you're yeah, you're provoking a response though. I right. would think so. I want to do something like an Edinburgh show where it mixes poetry and comedy. Uh huh. Where somehow, and my friend said that's a horrible idea, but I think <laughs> there's some potential there. It would be. It could even be a bit on a. Okay, let's just say you know you're doing your Snapchat comedy. Mm -hmm. Now you have a poem on Snapchat, maybe in a more serious vein, and now you go back to blah blah blah. And some, or some other way of orchestrating it, but would it be two separate things, or you fuse them into one new art form? It's an amalgam, hundred percent. That's why it's an Edinburgh show because uh -huh. they're open to that experimentation. They are, huh? And the great thing about it would be, I think you know, if it's an hour of stand-up, people get tired of laughing; they need a break. Yeah. So it's like, okay, now you have this, and now you go back to the comedy, and. Uh, that would be interesting. I mean, I see how storytelling obviously fits in with comedy because you could tell a long story which keeps people's attention and then you could just pepper it with jokes along the way. But right. comedy, I'm, I mean, poetry, I'm not sure. I would love to see that because poetry is pretty serious and it's supposed to make you feel deep emotions. Does comedy make you feel deep emotions? Me personally or in, in general? In general. And you so, personally. Oh, I, you're answering me. I have to answer for the universe again. <laughs> We've <laughs> already universe. gone over how they're not, they're not a big fan of me. Uh, the universe uh, is like, uh-uh. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> um, yes, the universe. Is, um, so does the... Does, what was the question? Is, is, the, is comedy supposed to make you feel something? Or I just make you think about something? I think in certain cases, comedy can make you feel or is supposed to make you feel it i think it depends on the comedian no mm -hmm. like if i'm watching Stephen wright i don't think i'm i'm having any deep feelings but like, you know someone like Chappelle, i think is more on makes you think or makes you more but i mean not, they're both interesting in their own yeah in their own light but they're doing something different right yeah Stephen wright is very uh heady intellectual right but i love Stephen wright i mean he's one oh, of my favorite comedians i'm just saying that yeah i don't think he really makes you feel so much and yeah but poetry i mean when you write poetry is it coming from a different place than when you write stand-up that is for sure different place absolutely different place mm -hmm. um i think it's a different side that you can't that maybe or i haven't found a way to express in stand-up mm -hmm. stand-up is um 
well not i mean it's better to make it like three-dimensional i guess but sometimes it can be two-dimensional and and uh, or, or somehow like a, like a smaller or a different realm different realm. i want to say smaller because stand-up you know can be totally three-dimensional and right you know interdisciplinary and inter but, but it is limited by language stand-up and poetry too i guess you know, because uh, you know what I'm thinking is that I'm also a musician. Okay. I, I've written a bunch of songs. Oh, that's great. And uh, it is, it, for me, it comes from a totally different place. Like whenever someone's like, oh, why don't you mix the two and make musical comedy? It's like, eh, I don't really even like musical comedy that much. <laughs> you know, I like Tenacious D or whatever, but I would never do it for me because when I write a song, it's me like getting out an emotion. And when I write comedy, it's me like thinking about something clever. It feels like it happens in different parts of my body. I see. Like the music is coming from more below my head and comedy's coming from like very intellectual place. Well, maybe yeah. the two the two foes can meet <laughs> <laughs> around my neck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I imagine it's similar for you with uh poetry. Uh, in general I would agree, but, oh, but, oh, that's, but that's why it's interesting. Right. Exactly, whenever something is is somewhat antithetical, mm -hmm. that makes a good idea to merge because that's something new might form it's like uh, yeah protons and neutrons they're not supposed to hit and then you get all right no that was wrong then you get the nuclear bomb so you necessarily <laughs> want that because but, but you get the point when you're mixing different elements you, right some kind of reaction may may cre be created or you just maybe the homeless guy like eating out of a paper bag and saying mcdonald's please but you know you you go you hope that something Right, but maybe you could. Uh, what, what, if, what if it was poetry that like one line was very uh, deep and thought-provoking, the next line was a punchline? And then you just kind of mix it that way where people are like, whoa, what's going on? Oh, that's so interesting. Whoa, that makes me... And then all of a sudden it's a, it's a laugh. That I did something like that on my other... I did one Edinburgh show in 2013, mm -hmm. and I, um, I did do at one point... A, I, let's call it like a comic type poem about my ex-girlfriend's extremely hairy vagina and it was it went into this whole metaphors for that and how woolly it was and comparing it to ancient creatures and i, I can't remember the whole i mean it was a whole thing i, I, yeah. I could have dug it up it would have been funny but it, but it's somewhere in my notes uh -huh. is, but, it, is it published no no it was you didn't just, put it in your book of poetry no it's, my girlfriend's vagina yeah it was too well, that would be interesting, actually, to try to see if I could publish it. I don't think those places that in the poetry market, would it, it's too off-color and too... Well, you, that's the problem of crossing genres, is like you could create something really new, but then there's no market for it. So you have to kind of create that market for it and absolutely. see if people would buy it or not. That's absolutely true. Now, yeah. that's a whole other story. Marketing, we're talking about the creative part. The right. marketing is a whole other... Uh, issue yeah and, you know but as a as an art as artists you know stand up for whatever writer you actor you're always self-promoting you're always promoting trying to get the word out about yourself so i feel like i've always said this artists are entrepreneurs you know we don't like to think of ourselves as uh this might sound haughty toddy but we don't like to think of ourselves as entrepreneurs but we are we like to think of ourselves as like creative types but you know, if you have an, once you have an Instagram, you're kind of marketing yourself. Uh, I would, you know, well, I, you're not trying to sell me something here, are you? <laughs> no, I, yes. I, <laughs> I'd like you to advertise on Instagram. Um, no, I, I agree that there's, 
an element of salesmanship. Uh, you know, there's an element of self-promotion and um, of uh, prostitution of yourself. But you know, but there's good parts to it. I th also, you the feedback is very helpful. Anytime, any okay, like poetry, for example, since we're talking about it, I'm always surprised when anyone actually even reads any of my poetry because poetry is a dying art form actually i would say it's it's somewhat like jesus it needs someone to be resurrected because right. it's i mean there are places in new Yorkans and such but i mean there's definitely no money in it and there's definitely a limited audience mm -hmm. When you get, I publish in many places. Very few people read it. So the only reason to do it is if you're really passionate about it. Some guy was asking me, he wanted to get into poetry. And I always discourage. I, as, far, as bad as comedy as poetry, forget it. Yeah. The only reason to do it is because you feel that you want to say something or you feel compelled. And it's that strong. It doesn't matter if people... If one person's going to read it or if no people read it. Right. Otherwise... Yes, absolutely. Anything else is better. So it's not a good choice of backup career for your jazz <laughs> musicianship. <laughs> I actually, it's interesting. You you brought you wanted to talk about poetry because no, this is not. So this is my slight self promotion, but yeah, I just so happened yesterday. This is the good universe. So I shouldn't be. I've been complaining. I um, I learned I won a poetry contest. You won a poetry yeah. contest, and it was a hundred dollar prize, which. Is, it's like That's the most money yeah. any poet has ever made yes. ever. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> it triples my my poetry incomes for for the, from the lifetime. So, uh, um, but uh, it was nice that I won something. And yeah. then she said, uh, "Oh, it, your poem and a person who uh, writes teen vampire novels are the two winners." And I guess it was a blind decision making so she was very surprised that it's for spirituality poetry about spirituality that it was a comedian and a, a vampire um fan or something that that right that, that one that were the most spiritual like you know, a they, teen pulp writer yeah exactly they expected you know some buddhist and <laughs> yeah, yeah in a monastery in monterey not some guy that know, writes poetry about his ex's vagina yeah exactly so she's like well Anyone can channel the spirit. I think that's what you... <laughs> Do you remember the poem? Um, the poem that won? Yeah. I I don't have it here, but yeah, okay. it's called If We Are Doomed, but it's not in, it's in the newer, the newer book, not the one I... Not the one that I, got, that I read. The newer one is not out yet. It's not out yet, no. When's it coming out? Well, I'm working on talking to different publishers seeing if cool. i can get so i don't know yet uh, well now but, you could put that a little gold trophy on right. the cover <laughs> winner of best book. <laughs> so, uh, uh, hopefully hopefully in the next couple of months i, I don't have a, a specific date cool yet, but uh and it's it's a little more involved than the other book the other book it's 78 poems and wow and uh when i have these great videos with the poetry mm -hmm. that i think may bring some more audience to it you're putting the poems to a video okay don't come after me i know uh, but some of them are <laughs> maybe copyrighted they, they don't have the shutterstock thing on it but they're uh -huh. you know you know you can take images off the let, let, let's call it found footage found footage it, it's non-profit so i think i'll probably be okay i don't right. see, I don't see my making they're gonna come after the hundred dollars yeah, yeah exactly so but you know basically images that you find here and there that are 
linked up to me reading the poetry uh-huh. and videos and but they came out really nice i think it's a good presentation sometimes mm-hmm. that's better than the uh than just on a page what about animation like having a, a cute frog or kitten read your poem that would be on good. video that's a good idea <laughs> okay that's that could be the next a frog on lsd or something and yeah a, a frog with a beard and um and i don't know so creatively speaking, when you sit down to write, do you know if you're going to write poetry or you're going to write stand-up? I definitely know. Mm-hmm. It's different wavelengths. So it's, mm-hmm. it's like tuning into, are you going to put on Hot 97 uh-huh. or are you going to put on 1010 Winds? You know what I mean? So, right. Sorry, that's showing my age. I'm not listening to serious. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but... It's really a, a different jam that yeah. But sometimes, do you know what you're gonna do by how you feel, usually, or do you wait till you get to the pen and paper? I know usually, mm-hmm. but sometimes I do both. We go back and forth or mm-hmm. something. Uh, it depends. It, that that it's so many. There's so many variables. Like I was just working on the script. That I think I was telling you about. I'm doing this short film in India. So when I was working on that, that's just all I was doing. So I knew, okay, I'm writing the script today. Mm-hmm. But if I was working on poetry, I'd usually be at a, at a single time, like, okay, this week or something, I'd be writing a couple of poems a day. So you have all these different creative outlets. I do. Yeah. Do you feel like they feed each other or drain each other? Feed and drain. <laughs> we drain into the feed. Um, yes, I, I believe there's, there's a, it's a mixed bag. You know, uh-huh. the, the downside is the jack of all trades, master of none. The positive side is the cross fertilization, and it, the liberation of, sort of being a little more unconstrained and having these different mm. avenues to express yourself, and. You know, when you spend a couple of years as suicidal, it's great. Cause, were, you know, were, you, were you suicidal? It, well, I have been at points. But what's great about it is that it, you, you have different registers that can be healing on different, on different realms. Sometimes, like, you, you want to joke around and you want to write comedy. Sometimes you want to just not care and just write a poem. Right. And so you can go, it gives you different outlets. Yeah, because I find uh, stand-up, it's very uh, intellectual. It's very like, mm-hmm. it's very intellectual and very of the head mm-hmm. that sometimes I just want to bang on something or just sing a loud song, and that's totally different. Right. I, as I think, far as feeling better through creativity. Absolutely. I think, right, I think that's in many cases but then sometimes there's some stand-ups that just go wild up there and they really get it out there too so that's where that's where it's complicated everyone has their own process yeah so you could be limiting your i mean i could be i like to say for myself i could be limiting myself sometimes by putting that because that could be going into the stand-up too so that's where it gets crazy but right and like speaking of stand-up when sometimes i go to the when i'm on stage sometimes my approach is to make the audience laugh and then sometimes I'm like, you know, I need something for myself. Like, I want to make sure I get my yayas out. That's important. And I don't do that enough. So, um... You don't I'll, think you do that enough in stand-up? No. Um, I think I'm too, too too, often... Well, sometimes I do. But if I, especially if it's a show. Yeah. I think I'm too concerned. 
that's a block I have of oh I've got to do well, especially if it's people and that that's negative for your stand up I think because you can't think about that you have to just think you're concerned with being the entertainer right there's a certain obligation especially if the, if it's a page if like people are paid to get in if yep. they didn't it's a little more free yeah you get what you pay for hey right but <laughs> but then I feel somewhat like obligated I don't know if that's that old school training like you can't you know telling yourself you can't do poorly and um but that's the tricky thing is that sometimes getting your yayas out and having that freedom makes the audience enjoy you more. I agree 100%. I mean, it's way easier said than done, obviously. You, you're right. And that's why I need to learn that and teach me your wise one. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if I followed all my advice, I'd be <laughs> very different. I Sometimes I, I, I can do, you know, I do. I, the best for stand-up, one of the, my favorite parts about it is actually the thing that people seem to value the least which is what the the true improv mm-hmm. the true not the stuff that people went home and wrote but what they come up with in the moment yeah what they come up what happens in the court with the crowd what some guy yells out when someone drops a glass what anything like that that's to me that's it like yeah. that's like that's that's why I, Don Rickles is probably on my top three. Uh-huh. You know, just because he's like that pure. Well, it's like being in the moment. It's totally live. It's totally unpredictable. Yeah, that's I, that's why I put Don Rickles, Robin Williams, people like that on yeah. my top because they're just to the most of, of, of I've seen. They're actually there. It's just like that's the comedy. They're not. It's not even the act. It's they are it. You know. Right. Yeah. So. And you could tell that, especially the Robin Williams, he was definitely getting his yayas out for some of the right, shows. Right, right, definitely. <laughs> um, you mentioned you're, you were suicidal in the past. Are you suicidal right now? Well, not before I started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm, I'm, the I'm, first thing you said to me was, I feel like the universe has locked me out. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm really not. I think I'm, I'm more stable now. You know, yeah. everyone has our, we have our ups and downs. Mm-hmm. But I feel, I actually do feel as a whole uh relatively stable now i just saying in in the in earlier incarnations of me i Mm -hmm. I definitely was it something external like something that happened to you or was it just something you felt um for no reason well if you go back in my childhood i had a lot of um family drama i was very repressed and i had um uh I had so many problems that I I wasn't aware of, and all this rage and all these feelings trapped within. So it expressed itself in the unproductive dynamic, which was drug experimentation, uh, idealization of Jim Morrison. That's where my poetry began. Uh-huh. Uh, 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 to such an extent, the 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 doors. You know, when I watched the Oliver Stone movie, yeah. I became so obsessed in a kind of very unhealthy way, reading anything I could about the doors and examining everything with like such a minutia that is highly unhealthy. And then anything that Jim Morrison was into, I was into. Right. Like he liked Nietzsche, he liked William Blake. So then I started reading all of them. And if you recall in the movie, he was somewhat suicidal, doing things to like test fate. Yeah. So I went through a period like that in high school of just really 
like luckily it's lucky i'm here driving on the wrong side of the road going 100 miles an hour with my eyes closed and various you would do that i would do all kinds of stuff i mean people screamed at me they were in the car wow. and they didn't want to be my friend anymore i mean my name in high school was berserker uh-huh. so i was i had some screws loose and then later periods other things i had a lot of health problems with crohn's disease i think mm-hmm. if you know that i had that but at one point it was so bad that i was on to throw myself out a window and various other various other things but um definitely on a better plane right now sorry to bring it to that dark space no you, you know what's interesting is that uh i think people the, of the older generation had their idols were like the jim morrison keith richards people that were pretty self-destructive you know those were the those were the rock stars those were the cool people i feel like this generation now they don't really have that you know who are the idols what like everyone's just like a badass businessman oh i really idolize jay-z or kanye west or beyonce they're not out doing drugs going crazy driving on the wrong side of the street with their eyes closed (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) yeah that's i never thought of that that it could just be a a cultural uh yeah i mean that's we grew up thinking like that was cool you know keith True. richards was the kind of the essence of cool right and he's shooting heroin in his eyelids <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's that's interesting so it might just be a yeah social trend or something and everyone's like this is certain pressure or something or there's certain idealization but there was something that was driving you to self-destruct self-destruction at least playing with it I think I think the reason I in my I can't talk about everyone because mm-hmm. I don't tend to follow trends and just be like at least I can only talk for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And for myself, I don't. I do see what you're saying that that that's definitely an element of it. But I think the bigger thing for me was um, that was my justification for it. I, in other words, I was going mm-hmm. that way anyway. Mm-hmm. I just needed. I, I was not aware. I needed a lot of therapy. I've probably been through twelve to fifteen years only to get this much messed up you know what i mean <laughs> but i needed a lot of self-analysis and self maybe it would have been way worse it might have been way worse but to, to get to where i'm now i'm pretty stable yeah but I, I i do feel i can ride the ups and down much better are you a middle child eldest child you're the oldest okay how many other siblings three younger brothers all all boys four boys mm-hmm. wow yeah that's a lot of a lot of male energy in the house that was i the I feel bad for my mother. She <laughs> she had her hands full, and uh-huh. all she wanted was a girl. And she had four maniacs. So right. Well, I've got to feel bad for the youngest brother of yours because she obviously did not want another boy. No, <laughs> she wanted to drown him in the river. But uh, <laughs> she, did she try? Uh, probably. But uh, uh, <laughs> where was your dad? Is your dad around? My dad is. Yes, sure. They're yeah. both alive still. So uh huh. Still together. They are, unfortunately. But oh, no, wow. no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, no, that's it's rare. That's rare. I know. I, that's a strong relationship. They true. lasted four sons. It's true. And <laughs> it, it, I, I don't know. Is it better to be to be unhappily married or divorced? I think it might be better to be slightly unhappily married. I'm not sure about that. That's a good question. Poof, I don't know because the loneliest I've ever felt was with an ex-girlfriend. I remember I remember being next to her and just feeling so lonely and then thinking something's not right with this, you know. And then when I was alone, I was like, yeah, I'm lonely, but I'm not as lonely as that moment. Because there's hope of meeting someone or being less lonely in the future, 
when you're with someone, you're like, that's it. I'm not in the, I'm not on the market. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. It's like the options are closed. The windows are narrowing and you're like, damn, this person is with me. I'm going to be like this for the, you start thinking about time time. Time is what messes you up. I think because you're like, Oh, like 40 years, 50 years, you start counting and you'd start thinking and like the clock is moving by the second and you start freaking out. Like, holy cow. Like I can't, that, that, that puts more pressure on it. Whereas somehow when you're just alone, it's no, you, and also you could just play Xbox or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- time is a, uh, such a valuable commodity. You know, if, if someone could figure out how to sell minutes or course, hours, that'd be a great app. A sick app. People will be downloading. You could this would be the, this would be the Gary decade instead of the hour. Yes. Each each episode lasts ten years. I mean, where else are you gonna get that? Where else are you gonna get ten years of just nonstop talk? No going to the bathroom. Just just you know, soul searching and and uh, when you're done with the podcast, it's not tomorrow. It's yesterday. <laughs> it's, so Time you, machine not included. <laughs> so I want to see if there's a link between you getting uh, feeling more psychologically healthy and all your create all your creative outputs, mm-hmm. because you have a lot of creative outputs and that's kind of inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I often have felt myself when I feel depressed or something, I'll go and I'll play music or I'll go and do a spot and I mm-hmm. feel better all of a sudden, even right. though nothing in my life has changed. <laughs> And then that's what I tell myself when I get down. It's like, all right, I felt good yesterday. Nothing in my life has changed. This is ridiculous. I don't, there's no reason that I should feel down now when I felt good yesterday. And everything externally is exactly the same. But you have changed. Inside, you have changed. You see but what it's I mean? not rational. I think it is, actually. Because you have... A, you've a, well, I see what you're saying, but you... Uh-huh. Okay, now this gets to the kooky. I, I, I joined a cult for a, sh- a short point of period of time called Kabbalah Center, which is a cult, but uh-huh. um, that's a long story how I got involved. But the, the short version of it is, they, the one thing they said that I thought was so, some value is they say your soul is sort of like a, like a vessel for light. And they gave an example of a guy who, um, he, gets a, he gets his first job, and it's a... Nice Wall Street job. It's $100,000 a year salary. Mm-hmm. And he's so proud of having this job. He feels because he worked hard in college to get, get that job out of college. And one day he's going by the boss's office and he hears the boss on the phone uh, with his father. And he says, oh, and, he's, and basically the, what he overhears is that the guy's saying that, yeah, I helped your son out. I gave because as a favor to you, and that's why I hired him. And now he knows that he got the job because of his father. Even though he still has the same $100,000 job and nothing has changed, he doesn't feel the same about himself. He's totally, his reality has shifted. It's kind of like what you're saying. Now, why did that happen? It's the same reality, the same job. It's just his perception. But I think it's... um, Well, he didn't earn it. He didn't earn it. He didn't. Now he feels he didn't earn it. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot that, in other words, like you were saying, a lot of terms of what of feeling good has to do with within yourself. It's not mm-hmm. all external. Right. Yeah. But that's different because okay. something changed because he realized, oh man, I thought I earned this job, but now I found out I didn't earn this job. 
Right. Oh, she's saying that's a different example. Yeah, you're right. Darn. <laughs> that was a long way to go. For I that. appreciate that you went for it. <laughs> okay. But so, how did you get into the Kabbalah? I dated a girl. Uh-huh. She was hardcore into it. Yeah. A Roman Catholic. And she's with the Kabbalah. I said, nah, that's not my thing. I'm not, I don't do religion. Uh-huh. So, but I am Jewish by descent. But she kept telling me to go. And uh, I went to the first meeting. They're talking all about the light. I go home, and I had some weird spiritual experience, probably an acid flashback. I don't know. Uh-huh. I did a lot of acid in my day. And I saw a light over my bed, and it was talking to me. It said, it said trust me. I have everything you want. Were you, what, what were you doing right before the light? I, okay. The people say, oh, you just woke up. I, I, I had been resting, but then I... Woke up. Mm-hmm. I was up for f- at least a few minutes. My eyes were open. Yeah. And it wasn't like I just woke up and I'm still seeing a dream. It was very clear. My girlfriend was sleeping next to me. It was the only time in my life this ever happened. It was so weird and so intense that I thought the Kabbalah, I was chosen or something, and the Kabbalah was calling to me. Mm-hmm. And I told them, and they said that, and I got involved for like three months, hardcore, with these... You know, and I think they're scam artists. But anyway, what what does that entail? Was spending a lot of time at the, at the Kabbalah. Eventually, Center? they try to get money from you. They try to you do volunteer work with them, and you're getting more light, so you have to do more activities. And uh-huh. and people give the, all their money to them and live in these little shacks and work twenty hours a day, and they're getting lots of light, lots of light, Gary. There's <laughs> yeah. lots of light. No food, no water. <laughs> they're living like, like um, you know, immigrants with no green card, like eight right. in a room with like a tiny bed and cockroaches. And but they're so like, much oh, light. So much light. It's, <laughs> that's what I mean. And then the owners are going to, I, I read something where they went to AC, and they were gambling, and they have million-dollar oh, mansions, no. and they're supposed to take a vow of poverty. So that's why I think it's, it's, right. it's kind of like Scientology. But they have like Sandra Bernhardt goes there and uh-huh. others. They have some celebrities, but yeah, Madonna was endorsing Ma- the Madonna was in yeah, such knowledgeable, trustworthy people. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know when Madonna likes it, it has to be totally legitimate. So were you going there every day for three months? I was going probably, and I was was very involved, very mm-hmm. highly involved. I was wearing all white because that that's what they said and yeah. reflects the light. And e- even in your regular day when you weren't at the center. If I wasn't teaching or something, yeah, anytime. I remember I was doing a little stand-up then, and if I went to the, I would go to their event, and I would do the stand-up, and I'd wear all white, and I would preach to them and stuff. While you're doing stand-up? Yeah, I would do this Kabbalah. Well, my stand-up was really weird then when I started. I've gone through, I mean, not that it's not weird now, but then uh-huh. it was, <laughs> I, my act was props. It was. Um, this is when you first started? It's pretty much when I first started. I did uh-huh. props. I beat a monkey with a bone, and then someone gave me, gave me a racist thing. They said I was racist because I'm beating monkeys. Uh huh. And but sometimes it killed. It was it was really hit or miss. Yeah. You know, and then I did a whole southern porcupine hunter thing with the hat and the uh-huh. a comb and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it sounds horrible. I agree, but, that, <laughs> but that's what it's, I. You're like an edgy carrot top. <laughs> it was like it was like a carrot top. No, but it sounds like you're experimenting, which is good. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't really carrot top. It was sort of. It was like David Lynch if he did yeah. comedy with props or uh-huh. something. <laughs> Just weird. Just yeah, weird. no, I'm not a comedy snob like that. You know, yeah. I think if you push the, I mean, I like Bo Burnham and he does all kinds of oh, yeah. interesting stuff. I like Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. 
I met him a little bit when I was in Edinburgh. He was a nice guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his specials are interesting. Yeah, they are. They're kind of mm-hmm. creative. I like that stuff outside. I personally always, um, I wish there was more encouragement for more of that. Right. More of that kind of uh, people doing things different. Yeah, there is a, a comedy snobbery of like once you have a prop, you're a hack prop comic. Right. Yeah. And I saw this guy on a show on Saturday, uh-huh. just a bar show. Yeah. But he did something like that, and it brought that back to all that stuff. He was doing like a safari hunting thing, and he was writing with lipstick over his face. And I know <laughs> it was it was sounds weird, and he was throwing things at the audience. Uh huh. I. I enjoyed it. And then I saw this other chick, I think it was at Randy's, who threw dildos at the audience. And hers I didn't enjoy as much because uh-huh. the audience was getting pissed and they like they were getting hit. like They were literally getting hit with dildos. <laughs> and I don't know if that, that's a liability. <laughs> yeah. I think I those dildos. But, but most of the time I enjoy that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. So what got you out of the Kabbalah? Uh, were you still dating the girl and you were both involved in it together? I realized it was a cult. Also... I had a dog that was sick, mm-hmm. and um, you couldn't just give the dog some light. I was trying to do that. I was praying over the dog, and they yeah. said it could heal. And I bought the Kabbalah water. It's like four dollars a bottle. I kept buying the Kabbalah water, going to Long Island with my family dog, feeding the dog. And at first, the dog was was licking the water, and seemed like it would, the dog wouldn't eat anything else. It was it was like dying. It had a brain problem, uh-huh. and the dog started eating the Kabbalah water when I was praying on it, and I was so. Dog was named Buddha, by the way, which is ironic. The dog was named, named Buddha. Buddha. Yeah, all this spiritual. So, and Buddha was she was he was um, eating the water, drinking the water, and that was the only thing he would take the Kabbalah water. I'm like, he's getting better, and I was so excited. And yeah, it built me up. And then, then, like the next day, the dog died, and it was that and other things just all hit me at once. And I just, I realized I, I looked, started looking them up, and I realized this. It, it just seemed too much like a cult to me, and mm-hmm. I, I just didn't buy into it. The magic hocus pocus of it. You were disappointed by the water. The water, the dog dying. The. I, I felt they made promises they couldn't keep, mm-hmm. but that that's been sort of my protocol. The more you, at least for me, my life, that's been in almost every realm. That just seems to be. That's par for the course. That's human nature. That's everyone's selling something, mm-hmm. and it's usually eighty percent package manure. <laughs> you know, so but that's just that's just how it is. That I guess that maybe I, I look at it a little differently. I still I still now I look at it as I did get some things from that. I mm-hmm. learned some. I did get some some benefits from it from the Kabbalah. Yeah, there's, there's something you can take from everything. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. You, you, yeah, so. Your parents had a dog named Buddha. Are they Buddhists, your parents? No, they're Jews. Uh huh. But my mom's like, one, after we had the dog for like three years, she's like, man, you, I talked to, talk to Joanne Brownstein and I learned that Buddha is marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Did you name the dog after marijuana? I was like... Uh, all right yes <laughs> you, you did you yeah we did yeah we're wild we weren't buddhists you know right, we right. were like smoking weed and we're blowing blowing joint smoke into the dog every day we're getting the dog high like we like buddha and then we put like 
other drugs in his bowl. You know, we, we if we got fucked up, the dog was getting fucked up, and the dog would be bouncing or like walking <laughs> sideways, and like we thought it was hilarious. We put beer in his bowl. Uh-huh. I know this is probably abuse of animals. <laughs> that, that dog. It's no wonder why the dog probably bit like six people. But <laughs> we would get the dog messed up. Did you ever give the dog acid? I don't think we gave it acid. Okay. I think that would have been too cruel. But, yeah, yeah. Like, but we definitely. You know how you. Um, what the hell do you even call that now? Shotgun, shotgun. Uh huh. Kind of, we do that into the dog. Blow it. But if you did it enough, blow it into it, and the dog would would suck it up. Like the yeah. dog, Buddha actually enjoyed Buddha. So. <laughs> it was so. either Buddha or skunk. Huh? <laughs> so it no nah, Buddha, and I had a dog before that, Fribble, both golden retrievers, mm-hmm. and Fribble was the sweetest dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you'd say Fribble, sit, and she'd run away, and <laughs> which was disappointing kind of you know yeah but 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 she didn't have the best life because my dad kept her on this line outside in the backyard because we kept it outside tied up kind of uh, yeah so she didn't have a huge running room but i always she was like my best friend she, mm. you know i was very very close to her yeah <laughs> that sounds weird but you feel bad i mean you see the dog tied up it's trying to expand it's trying to run wild and it just can't well eventually my parents put her to sleep she got addison's disease Mm-hmm. And then my dad, I was working at Wallbounds at that time. My dad picked me up. He goes, by the way, your dog is dead. That's how he delivered That's the news. That's how he told me. And then he just <laughs> kept driving. I was like, oh, okay. I think I started crying. But but my brothers didn't care because they got a new dog, so it was fine. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they. but that was like, that was like my... Favorite. That was like my dog, and we. That was like my best friend I, to the degree, like the stereotype of a, that. That at that time, it was like the only person that understood me in my parents' house. So the only know? person that understood you as a kid was a dog. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds sad, but that's yeah. how I felt. That's how I felt. You know, grow when I was younger, sort of. Where'd you grow up? I was in Jericho, Long Island, but okay. I just was sort of the weird kid in school, and. I had a lot of bullies. They didn't call it bullying back then. They just called it school. Yeah, it was just school. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like every now they have these programs for bullying. I just got my ass beat every day. They didn't. It was just like a. It was just like normal. That was just yeah. Well, they call your name and then tease you and beat you up. Sometimes it was. I, I'm not going to say it wasn't all. My, sometimes it was my own doing. You know, sometimes mm. I did foolish behavior, and I also was a wise guy. I always, I was always the class clown. Like I would push people, uh-huh. and then I would provoke them. So then. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say... How how would you provoke them? Could you give me an example? I would just crack jokes about them in front of the class. Everyone would start laughing. At their expense. At their expense. But then after, I'm going to pay for that. Because they, right. You know, or I just do stupid... Okay, here's an example. They're just stupid, weird things happen. Like, in high school, I'm, in the, I'm on the staircase with my friend. And just a stupid thing. I said, pass me the soda. He was up on the top of the stairs. I'm on the bottom. I said, slide it down the banister. Uh-huh. It was a Sprite. Because yeah. I didn't want to walk up to get it. <laughs> so he slides it down. It falls off the banister. Cracks open. It spills Sprite all over the stairs. So we're just two young kids. We're like, okay, we'll go get napkins and clean it up. Totally fine right now, right? Yeah. We go to get napkins. By the time... We should have left one person there, but we weren't thinking. Right. By the time we get back, we see the, the girl who's going to be the prom queen lying there with a the broken leg, screaming oh. on, her, on her leg. She looks up at us. We've got our napkins. Oh, no. Of course, she's dating, like, the biggest, like, meathead guy in school. Yeah. 
who's jacked up on roids, and they find we broke her leg. I mean, it wasn't intentional, but it didn't matter. Right. So this kid taunted me. Like, for after that, for forget it. For the whole year, it was just like beat-ups and, I, you know, just I went on and on. You know, so and that was, wasn't the only kid. There was other kids and other things. You know, yeah. was, a lot of it was my fault. We ran a casino in, the, in, the, in the, this kid's house. We couldn't pay, but we didn't know they were cheating. They, they, they hired the guy we had as the, the thing was like bullshitting and they and so in in like 20 minutes we lost we only had 300 oh, i don't know 400 i don't remember how much we yeah. pulled our money to the casino we were down like 2000 and we had no money so oh. so now these kids were like where's our money we didn't know we learned i learned later they they cheated but yeah well i was like i don't have it so again they they fuck, then they messed with us every day they put a new thing on my lock. That was another thing he would do. The kid would do. Well, yeah. Like what on your lock? Nacho cheese, white out, oh. pen, penning. Pen, every day I have to go spit. You know, like, I, I don't. Every day was something else. Some other food. Some sloppy Joe. Yeah. I, literally, this went on for for months. You had to wipe your lock off every day. Of... Couldn't get it all. I couldn't. Get, I had to get the assistant principal because a lot of times it was stuck. Yeah. With stuff or gum. So then I had to get the assistant principal because I couldn't read the lock. To mm. come, cut the lock, give me a new lock. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll be late for Spanish class. I mean, this, I, I, it goes on and on. Did you ever find any of these bullies? Oh, I knew who, I knew those guys, the gambling kids. Who no, but there. recently, find them on Facebook or get back at them somehow? No, I, 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 that'd be interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I try to close the door on yeah. that was past. And... Maybe they have some karma coming to them <laughs> directly <laughs> from you. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. No, I, I I wish best on people. I don't I don't like to wish harm on people. I yeah. Think. Did I, you ever just look them up just to see how I their life turned out? No. Mm-hmm. They're probably just knowing how the universe works. They're probably living it up in the Caribbean right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably that cliche, you know, the, with the, the seedless grapes and the women food <laughs> conference and they're probably the most cliche. But yeah, I don't know. You bring me a sprite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. But that could save you. Uh, I don't know. I I got invited to my high school reunion and thought about it for a second. Then I just went on Facebook and saw all the people I was curious about, and I was like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Took about I, ten minutes in my living room. <laughs> was, I'm fine. I skipped I'm showing my age, but I skipped my ten year, but I made my twenty year, which was recently. Oh yeah, did you see some of those bullies? They. I don't remember. If they were, they weren't bullies anymore. They're not bullying me now, you know. But not not right. no one bad. Most of them were older. Yeah. So I can't remember. There may have been one that gave me a little problems, but not most of them were. It wasn't when I was a senior. They were older kids. It was the main problems were when I was like a freshman and sophomore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Dazed and Confused. Yeah, Dazed and Confused has a little bit of elements uh-huh. of what my what it was like for me so which came first do you think uh whatever wherever your demons or problems were coming from made you act out or do you think you were just maybe perhaps just bored in school and then you acted out and then your problems came because of that Mm. like did you have problems at home was there something problems at home too you did so so it's a good question i don't know i think it was i think it was all an amalgam of problems uh, for me yeah. many problems many very poor understanding of the world poor um self-awareness mm. and a high degree of insecurity and uh self-loathing mm. which uh you you never completely 
overcome, but you can overcome to a certain extent. Yeah. You 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 can compartmentalize, and you get you get to higher levels where it's not really the same anymore. It's definitely diminished to a to a pretty large degree. Well, I think having all those brothers too, you probably didn't get much time alone where you had all the attention. Uh, I did get a lot of attention, I would say. Yeah. How how old was the younger brother, the next one younger from you? How many years months, younger? 15 months. So 15 months when you're a baby, you had all your parents' attention and love. Then all of a sudden the next one's born and then they're caring for that one. So you're kind of not totally neglected, but I then you're sharing. I remember my parents got me this little plastic fire truck uh-huh. thing. I could drive around the backyard. Yeah. No engine, but you pedal, you know? Mm-hmm. It was my favorite toy. And I would, you know, beep, 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 beep. All of a sudden, another fire truck pulled up. <laughs> I'm like, who's this guy? Uh-huh. You know, I was, I was very upset yeah. that there was another guy on the road because I had my own, you know, right. that was my domain. You know, that was, I have to deal like now. And oh, was that your brother? That was my brother. Pulling that was up, yeah. Pulling up. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, there's a third truck pulling <laughs> yeah. up. Then a fourth <laughs> truck pulling up. You can't even move. You're stuck in traffic. You're an angry kid. <laughs> there's maybe an element to that. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're trying to just drive your truck and you're just like wong, 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 move <laughs> I got I my, my brothers and I always get along. I had more issues with my, my, my parents to be honest, but now it's good. Now my mm-hmm. fa- my my parents and I have a very good relation and they've become very good parents so after it only took them thirty <laughs> years or whatever. But they somewhat I, I think I, I I've changed my attitude because in the past I had all this bitterness and hostility towards them. Yeah. But in, in now it's come so much full circle that they've definitely, I think it's possible to someone like atone and they've done so many better yeah. things now that I don't have that resentment right. that I used to. So. And there are, you know, you come to an age where you realize that a lot of the parents are just winging it. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just like... A straw, a paddle, I don't know. Let's <laughs> torture or drink. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just make something happen here. They just kind yeah. of Yeah, I, I definitely think that with my parents. They definitely even my grandma, my grandma is still alive, ninety eight. I have one grandma. Wow. And um she said that. She said, Yeah, they just were not equipped because she would come over. They right. were just not equipped to be parents. They didn't know and also they had it's all to be fair, having four kids is 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 not easy. That's no four boys especially. Yeah, but... so that's they did have their hands full. It was just too much, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Also, there was very few. There were very few resources. Now, you know, now parents are like looking up on parenting blogs. You know, they're researching everything, and then they're like, "I don't know. He's got a runny nose. What do we do? I don't know. Just wrap his, <laughs> stick his head underground until it stops. There's no WebMD. That's true. It's either take you to a doctor, but no psychological stuff." so many more resources now we had situations like uh, one time when i was young we we ate my brother and i the, the, the doctor told me take your vitamins so you'd be strong like superman so my brother and i not knowing anything i think it was four or three and he was like three or something we we're really young yeah we climbed up i was like because well, we, we love superman we watch superman right so we climb up the cabinet when my mom's asleep we'd wake up early at five o'clock was, and in those days we didn't have cable Five o'clock exercise shows. Okay, we were waiting. <laughs> That's literally all you could watch. It was only like a few channels. Yeah. And news we was out, and then we were waiting for the cartoons at like I think it was like five thirty or six. Right. Started like the Jetsons and the Gummy Saturday Bears. Saturday morning cartoons. 
No, this is every. This is during the week. Okay. Because we okay. just woke up early because my parents put us to sleep at like eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. So we'd be up early. My dad would wake up at like six, but we wake up. So, and I guess we waited till my dad left at six. Then we start climbing up. My mom didn't wake up to eight. Yeah. Took the vitamins down, and we want to be Superman. So we start eating all the vitamins. We ate like three three uh, boxes of vitamins. We ate like hundreds of vitamins. We could have died. Oh my god! And we're laying. My mom came and we're laying there drooling like we're almost dead she wow. comes down sees vitamins scattered all over scattered all over my brother's got a vitamin up his nose he had a vitamin lot he had to get surgically removed wow and we how had did a to... vitamin end up in his nose he put it up there he thought he's gonna nose vision and um <laughs> uh you know how you have the eye vision i mean we were kind of stupid you know you're young you don't know anything yeah and um then my mom had to give us something to vomit we kept vomiting in the in the bathtub and so obviously we didn't die but if we didn't she was freaking out obviously we just ate like yeah. Of vitamins. Yeah. So, she didn't rush you to the hospital? Not from what I remember. I, we were still co- conscious. We uh-huh. just were like, kind of like sluggish. And then we just yeah. took something she got that we made us vomit for like a couple hours. And mm-hmm. and then I think my brother went to the hospital, if I recall, to get that, at that point, to get the vitamin out. But oh, the first notes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, oh, uh, yeah, that was... That was, but that was completely our doing. But that was just a silly story of, yeah. Like you're saying though, like with kids. Yeah, I feel like kids nowadays would know not to do that for some reason. Probably with the internet, they'd probably look up like <laughs> they would just Google, "Hey, is it okay to eat like 400 right. vitamins?" <laughs> yeah, you know, but. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, it sounds like an action-packed. Uh... Yeah, it was. It was good. It was good. So. uh you mentioned before, which I want to follow up on, uh, you're writing a script mm-hmm. for a, a short film that's happening in India or it takes place in India? Uh, I, I made another short film. Mm-hmm. It was in a couple of festivals. Mm-hmm. And I was in Nice, France for a festival. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or as Americans pronounce it, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it very nice. <laughs> uh, so they... There was a producer there who I hooked up with, and uh-huh. she's she was interested in this idea to fund the short film, but it would be shot if everything goes as planned in Delhi, India. Nice, with Indian actors, Indian crew, mm-hmm. and um, you're writing the script. What's uh? Can you give us a synopsis? Um, I suppose. Or is it too early? Only because it's not out there, but oh, it's a. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I can if I'm supposed to talk about it. it's just to be on the safe okay. side, but it, it's a romantic comedy love triangle kind of situation, but it's, it has a unique twist to it. And so, and you're writing. So, when you're writing, you're writing in different characters, different voices. Uh yes. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. how does that affect you? I mean, do you feel like you're able to disappear from yourself when you're writing as uh, a, a character in this film? Disappear from yourself. Like, how do you get into that character and become that character to write from that character? Oh, or... I see. Like, how do you how do you go into that? Well, you mm-hmm. know, like if you do characters in stand up, it's. I mean, I, I writing is my my basic background. Okay, so writing is what I've done the longest. Everything uh-huh. else sort of is um, fell out of kind of just developed over time. I tried doing that as well, but basically, yeah. I look I look at myself as a writer. Okay, and everything else is sort of secondary. What 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 kind of writer? Screenwriter. I guess all kinds because I do multiple kinds, you know, yeah. like poetry. I do a little bit of fiction. I definitely poetry is up there as the top, mm-hmm. and then, you know, uh, I do some humor writing, some mm-hmm. right, 
so it's a little bit of everything a, a little bit a little bit of screenwriting so i, I don't know if i i have a type of writing yeah but but i've done a lot of st- i've done a lot of fiction writing too so i so i'm used to writing with characters for me that comes natural at this point do you have any tools that you use to get into different characters um well for me at, at this point like with this script with screenwriting it's a lot about structure more than fiction it depends on what i'm writing mm-hmm. with screenplay i think for me I, I i put the plot almost ahead of the character mm-hmm. um because especially when you're working in a short uh confines like this she wants to be a 20 minute film mm-hmm. so you really have to think about the orchestration of everything a 20 and minute film is still a lot of work it is yeah. but 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 you still have to like I'm very into the plot dynamics, so I think that's my forte. But no, the characters are important too. But I, I just think in terms of character, that comes easy to me for some mm-hmm. reason. I, I just visualize it. I imagine what the character is like. Sometimes I just start writing, and, and, and the voice comes to me. Like I don't, I for me, it, it's much easier. I don't do what some a lot of other writers do, which is like character bios and like analyzing everything about the character and all this stuff i sort of just write it and then and then it comes to me and then if it's not right then i tweak it again in further drafts do you do you when you're writing so say you're writing from the female right Uh so you're writing her words what she's going to be saying on screen do you already see what she looks like when you're writing i do usually but Mm -hmm. that doesn't i don't have to but usually i have a visualization of it but it, 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 with writing the great thing is is it's 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 like you're chiseling away it's like that ice sculpture kind of thing mm-hmm. so you do your first version it's kind of close it looks like it might be a bird but then it could be a possum you know like right, you right. don't know now you chisel some more oh wait it's a peacock oh now you chisel oh actually it's a beluga whale you know what i mean so yeah, it's yeah. like or, or or it's a walrus that's like it's my rehab. dog buddha yeah, yeah it's my dog buddha yeah <laughs> it's a go so you, you you know you like figure it out as you like get the layers out right and that whole process is like how I like to do it, sort of like chisel away. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's this. I have this. I have this draft. Okay, first draft, like make it messy, just like make it crazy. Mm-hmm. Second draft, okay, no, we got to take this out. I got to do this. Right. That's like the way I work best. Sometimes I'll work more. Okay, is the character voice right? Sometimes is like the plot right? Sometimes is it like the pacing? There's all kinds of things you could work on. Right. That's a lot of editing. Right. I do a so, lot of editing. Yeah. So the editing is the critical mind, which can be diametrically opposed to the creative mind right so the creative mind you're just in the flow you're just writing about writing from this person's perspective right. and you might not even be thinking so much about editing it right and then you come back to it and you read it and you edit it blah 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 blah, blah. exactly or do you do it all at once no exactly what you just said yeah that's why i said the first draft's the most fun right, first right. draft is creative mind right um that's a blast mm-hmm. subsequent to that you have the um, the editing process, yeah. which is really the most important, actually. Right. I, I, actually, I'm mixed on that. I'm not sure about that. Because you need something quality in the creative mind. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure which is more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I look at it as the uh, Dionysian and Apollonian, that Nietzsche thing. Do you know that? Uh, no, can you tell uh, tell us? Sorry, now I'm sorry, like like an arrogant schmuck but okay so but no. Well, no that let's not let's not uh <laughs> shit on intellectualism okay so now more than ever we need it i think that's true fun so the, the it's the nietzschean um formulation about uh, the creative process and he said there's there's two energies that are essential to uh creative development 
and they, he goes back to the the gods. So the Dionysian energy is sort of that destructive, chaotic energy. The energy of a kind of madness, the drunken, mm. bacchanal kind of raging yeah. lunatic, where you destroy in order to create something better. Uh-huh. And and it's it's not it's not um, refined. Refined. It's not refined. It's 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 just energy. It's power. It's that kind of thing. And then the other energy of the artistic creation is the Paulinian, which is the order, the detail, the refinement, the the, the chiseling away, the more subtle things. Right. And he's saying the, the, that a creative process is somehow a merging of those two. Right, which makes sense. Except the creative, creative part of it doesn't have to be wild and destructive. It doesn't yeah. have to be. But, but somehow a lot, of, a lot of the great art has that element, I think. It, mm-hmm. it destroys what came before. Like if you see someone like, okay, like a Van Gogh, he just, just, just destroyed you know the, the, impressionism and then right. destroyed the, the way people made art he's like no it's this and he and he kind of right it, it's creative but it, but it's also it's in a new realm you know right yeah so anytime there's someone that's truly innovative i think they're somewhat yeah the buzzword now is disrupting an industry oh yeah disruptive <laughs> yeah 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 so i guess that's the Dionysing an industry. Pretty much, <laughs> exactly. That's actually not a bad name for a startup, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, didn't Nietzsche go crazy and kill himself in an asylum uh, at well, the end his, of his life? His, uh, he uh, hugged a horse in turn and thought he was Dionysus. He said he was Dionysus. Uh-huh. I don't remember if he killed himself, but he did go crazy. He definitely yeah. went mad. And he died. I don't know that he. I don't remember that he killed himself. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. But but, but he definitely went. He definitely went insane. But right before he went insane, he was at his most creative period. He he wrote three books in like five days, Mm -hmm. and they're great books, like Twilight of the Idols. I forget all the the names of all of them, but uh, like he went through the most, almost like an insane level of creativity. Right. I mean, three full books that are like packed with 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 stuff, with ideas, and yeah, they're not just like a crummy book. Like they're they're very well formulated. Right. So, this, I always thought, okay, that's like a Robin Williams as another one. Like, right. You know, he's on the verge of madness, but that's why he's so brilliant. I think his the his, link between creativity and insanity. I'm into that. I think there's something there. Uh huh. I feel like that also is something from an older generation, even before ours, like a Jackson Pollock, you mm-hmm. know, so respected because he was a mad genius, you know? That's true. So you're saying mad... that's, that's antiquated? That's someone antiquated? I'm not sure. I'm just saying, like, that used to be a lot more in the cultural spectrum of things. Right. And I think people thought they had to be insane to be a genius. There's just something that they still have the. But there still is some appreciation because you have like an art, the outsider art, mm-hmm. like Henry Darger and all that. And mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I see what you mean that that's somewhat passe, I guess. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe there is actual factual things to it. I'm not saying there's not, but it was definitely kind of a, an archetype. I, if you look, there's, there's books on that that you know, Touched by Fire, and mm-hmm. I mean, so many the creative types had that. Yeah, I, I mean, um, Virginia Woolf drowned herself. Hemingway blew his brains out. Hunter Thompson blew his brains out. Anthony Artaud went crazy. Van Gogh cut off his ear. Yeah, I mean, it goes on and on. Like, the, if you actually look through all the Poe was an alcoholic. I mean, it, right. it, it, it's 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 not all of them. There's there's definitely well adjusted. There creative. seems to be a running theme. 
There's a running theme. But then it's like, all right, okay, then it begs the question, what came first? All that creativity, and then it just led them to drink or whatever, kill themselves, because it's hard. You know, it's hard to be creative because you don't always get the rewards. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of draining putting out yourself. And sometimes the rewards come, sometimes they don't. Or, or you could be very self-loathing, like you said about yourself, that you don't even like it. You don't like your own work. Oh. And then you're driving. Then, then you're like, all right, I'm going to drink. I'm going to cut my ear off. Something like that. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, well, there's the perfectionist element. Mm -hmm. I think most creative types do like some element of their work, but then there's also that it kind of goes back and forth. You know, when you're mm -hmm. in that, I get this with writing too. I'm sure you get this with stand-up. Like when you're first in that initial phase, you're like, oh, this is it. And this is the new plateau of you've reached this new horizon. Yeah. Like you hear angels, ah, you yeah. know, like you think this is, and then a couple of days go by and you're like, eh, what was I thinking? Like that it goes was, constantly and going in waves for me, yeah. like where I'm like, oh, I got this. And then we're out down. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Then yeah. back up. Exactly. That, that, and stand up, you really feel it because sometimes you're getting the response. For example, you have a great show and everyone's laughing Yeah. and you're like, oh, I think I've, and then the next night it could be for whatever reason that they're, they're not yeah. feeling you. And yeah, even with the same material. Right. Yeah, it's very stand up is really confusing in that sense. But yeah, I often wonder if creativity leads people to, uh, you know, drug abuse or something like that, just because you don't get the rewards. Well, this has gotten quite deep, Gary. <laughs> well, <laughs> we've gone we've gone down the rabbit hole. Yes, I, 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 that, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a chicken and egg thing. But yeah. but but I, I do think. Um, I, I always thought the opposite, but 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 you might be right. I I, I don't know. I always thought the opposite that that's, that creativity saves a lot of people. Mm. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I definitely think that. Yeah. You mentioned like for someone like you that you you said you're self-loathing. Why would if you're self-loathing? Why would you do stand-up, which is the most horrifying thing to do? Putting yourself up there in front of people. I don't. I don't want to be known as self-loathing, man. You know what I mean. I. I, I have a self-loathing component. Right. Self-loathing elements. Yeah, from my past, but I, I wouldn't say that. I'm particularly, on that. I wouldn't say I'm particularly self-loathing now. I'm saying that's something historical for me uh -huh. that I definitely had a lot of issues with. Yeah. But I just wanted to clarify that. But yes. Um. Why would someone? Why did I originally get into it? Yeah. I also had part of that was huge okay one of my obstacles which is simple in terms of creativity was huge sensitivity actually mm -hmm. now i'm fairly thick-skinned i think but living that, in new york city you kind of have to right be. but i i don't well which is a double-edged sword too because you don't want to with artistic stuff you want to keep open you don't want to be yeah. too hard to, mm -hmm. so but when i was um I used I, I I my big one of my biggest problems was the rejection, mm -hmm. not so much in stand up but with writing and other things, and thinking too much about how people are judging me, over analyzing everything, yeah, and um, not putting stuff out a lot of times because wanting to go into my shell, not mm -hmm. willing to, not letting the feedback I was getting, things mm -hmm. like that. So that had a lot of issues with that, and that had to, went in with the self-loathing. Yeah, well, stand-up is so hard in that sense, but it also could really help because you do kind of realize that it's all 
it's kind of silly because you do your A material and it kills one night. You do the same thing and it doesn't. You might bomb the next night. You're like, "Eh, I don't even know anymore. You start to take people's feedback less seriously. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no. As you've now, I'm at the stage where I'm much less concerned with what people think Mm -hmm. in general. If I have a bad show, it doesn't even. I barely notice it, you know, usually, mm-hmm. unless it's like really a big show or something. Right. But usually, it, it doesn't have the same effect that it used to have. I don't care as much. Yeah. So I'm much more liberated, but, and I don't, and in terms of rejection, I can deal with that. I'm gotten so much rejection. Right. I mean, basically, yes. the entertainment industry is just constant rejection. Yeah. I'm just almost used to it. Like, that universe that's locking you out, that's yeah. the entertainment yeah. industry. Yes, yes basically. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Actually, that would be a nice title for like a podcast or something, uh, um, or a, whatever a show. Yeah, I also thought another one that I was thinking of that I would I would call um, I would call it the audience is my shrink. I, mm. I, I like that as a as yeah a, as a I like that neurotic self analytic kind of thing because I well I think that's dangerous when comedians talking about oh uh, comedy is my therapy. You do yeah. not want the audience to be your shrink. <laughs> I know, but what if it actually is? <laughs> uh, you're so screwed. <laughs> I, well, that's probably my problem. That's why I want to locked out of the universe. Now we're getting to the bottom of it all. Yes. Um, but I I think on some level it, it is. Maybe that's why I'm not progressing enough. But I, I you know, I, there is, I think it's good if it's it, on some level it has some, some cathartic element. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Well, you are progressing. I mean, you just did shows all around yeah. Europe. I did do that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. What was it like doing American comedy in Denmark? Um, well, actually, they were very good crowds. Mm-hmm. I, I was concerned that they wouldn't... You did shows in Denmark, France, Germany, was that? Uh, Sweden. Sweden. Mm-hmm. I, they, they were... Actually, all the shows went very well. I was, I was kind of surprised because... Mm-hmm. I thought there might be some language barriers, or um, they understood English fine. They did. They, my, and I picked out the material that I thought would be appropriate. I mean, I really didn't. I thought, if anything, there might be better crowds. <laughs> you know, maybe it's better when they don't understand me. So um, I, I, I know there were there were nice shows. I didn't I didn't have any quarrels with that. Yeah, with it over there. Uh, I'm trying to think of interesting things to say, except for interesting. Uh, slightly interesting is that they have different racial humor. Like in in um, Stockholm, mm-hmm. it's like, how about those fins, huh? Yeah, <laughs> right. And you're hey, like, I don't know. <laughs> them, I don't trust those dirty fins. You know, like, oh, oh, how? So I was in Denmark the other day. Let me tell you, like, I don't know. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like right. like 80s. Hey, how about those Puerto Rico? You know, it's like that weird. It was weird, man. Like they all have like their own, but they're all white and they're all pretty much the same to me. So, like, right. But they're they had a little bit of that. They had that. I found that interesting. Yeah. How long or is the average spot in uh, these places that I did, or just you're on a comedy show with other comedians, right? Mm-hmm. So, like in France, for example, well, the it other was similar comedians... to here. I think it was. I think I just did like ten, twelve minutes or something. Okay. Well, they. Uh, Speaking in French, maybe the other. Um, the some of them were French, some of them were English. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I think that was English night, so most of them were English. The, okay. That, uh, but I did do some for when I was in Denmark. Yeah, I was in Copenhagen. I was the only one in English. 
Mm. The entire show was in Danish. And they're like, da, 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 I own the Hitler. Da, 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 you know, like, <laughs> You're like, oh, all right, Holocaust joke. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. I just <laughs> have to figure it out. AIDS. Like, I would hear, like, one word. And right, I'm like, right. okay, now he's the AIDS bit. He went from AIDS to Hitler. Interesting. Okay, <laughs> I got to take notes on that. But otherwise, I had no idea what they were saying. Right. Was it tricky going up after all that? I thought it would be, like I said, but they were they were really nice. I think mm -hmm. they appreciated... You know, there you're the unicorn. You're you're right. sort of you're sort of oh wow, it's from New York. Mm -hmm. So here, like uh, another goddamn straight white male Jew. Right, get it over with already. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But like over there, it's like you're like wow, you're from New York. It's rewarding, right? Because you see all your all your effort paid up, pay off a little bit, appreciated more. You know, uh, it, it it is nice to know that I um. I'm beloved in Sweden. <laughs> well, New York City is such a humbler. Yeah, yeah that's you know, true. You, it's hard, very hard to feel special here in New York City. That, that's, there's, something, there's some element of that. But I, I enjoy New York. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I enjoy that competitiveness and that way it, it, keeps, you, it keeps you grounded. Yeah. yeah something, there's something interesting about that. Yeah, no matter how good you get, there's someone better than you. Absolutely. A couple blocks away. Always. Mm -hmm. So, well, are you are you from New York or no? I am from New York. I lived in California for about eight years, but oh. I am from here. So, how did did you do comedy in California? Or? No, I started here, which uh, I've been told is not a great thing to do because you only get one shot at a first impression. So most people have seen me start and suck. You know, I I had the same issue. I started here. Mm -hmm. I believe that that is um that can be a hindrance but yeah I see people that started elsewhere and then they have they got some credits and some heat already going on then they move to York to New York and they just boom catapult to the top I've seen that as well mm -hmm. 100% yeah um there's there's probably something to that but there's nothing you can do if you start here you start here yeah I mean all you can do is get undeniably good yeah, I suppose. But now, do when you do, do you do, what is what are you more passionate about, music or comedy? It's same as you. They're just totally different things. Sometimes, if I'm feeling like really emotional, I uh, tend to gravitate towards playing music, and that makes me feel better. And then, if I'm just feeling like, you know, more mischievous or spicy or whatever, I'll kind of just get into some comedy doing stand-up but i tend to write stand-up more when i'm out and about and it hits me or on stage a little bit i'll riff on a premise stuff like that so you don't write it down or you oh i definitely write it all write, down yeah write. yeah i'll write like keywords like bullet points mm -hmm. so i remember i don't usually write word for word mm -hmm. but i'll just bullet points and i record every set try to videotape as much as possible which is good that's great. I stopped recording and videoing most of the time, but those those are actually helpful only because mm -hmm. I haven't had the time to listen to them. I never listen to them. Yeah. So I stopped doing it. But it is a great process. And it's also somewhat painful process. It's very painful. And I don't listen to all of them. Definitely not. But sometimes I'll go back and I'll listen to a bit that I feel like I've been working on for maybe a year. Mm -hmm. And I'll often this happens a lot. I'll go back and I'll see how it's morphed, sometimes for the worse. Hmm. And that's really helpful because I'm like, oh, I used to do it like that. That's actually way better. 
because you they they just naturally morph probably because to keep it fresh for myself it's just naturally morphing and then often i'm like ah i need to take it back to how it originally started there was something to that beginner's mind of that bit wow that's that's a good tip Ah. taking notes here um (laughs) don't worry we're recording it (laughs) this is being recorded you don't have to take notes so if you listen to the gary hour (laughs) you can get some insight into your uh, stand-up process most who who listens is it are they stand-ups or are they i don't know who they are but they're people hopefully i'm trying to you know i would like to reach out to all creative types right yeah i don't only have comedians on but that's why i wanted you on is Mm because you're not just a stand-up you do all these different things i mean you've been in a lot of roles as well Mm -hmm. as an actor which we didn't even touch on Mm -hmm. but uh thanks for being here and uh talking to us whoever's listening thanks for having me this has uh been great i appreciate it yeah do you want to end on a poem do you want to sure yeah you want to read us a poem i think should i preface it or just get right into it just get into it i like i like not giving people telling people what it's about this way it gives people the freedom to make their own meaning to it perfect palace of lies how you like my greeting my matte finished smile custom tailored suit mansion yet to defile how you like my credit card platinum tier damages ferrari in the garage penthouse on madison how you like my kingdom wild plateau of jewels prestige champagne Majestic infinity pools. How you like my sorrow? This it all disguise. Behind the excess, a palace of lies. Nice. <laughs> awesome, Matt. Thanks, man. All right, no problem. Thanks for having me on, Gary. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.